When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Well, we're about one week into December, and the standings are still pretty much where we left them. A lot of teams bunched up in the East. A lot of teams bunched up in the West. Only ones really separating themselves are the Suns and the Warriors, and we talked about them at length last week. Kind of want to get into the Jazz a little bit, because I feel like they're kind of getting a little bit of disrespect. We're going to talk about the Bulls. They are in town here, where I am in Cleveland, Ohio as they'll take on the Cavs, who have dropped two in a row. But that's thanks to a brutal, brutal back-to-back they just had at home against Utah and then on the road against the Bucks with Giannis returning on his 27th birthday. That was real tough. What's up, guys? It's Keeping It 94, Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. Another episode brought to you courtesy of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Had a three-game slate last night. The Nets beating the Mavs on the road, coming back from 17 down, 102 to 99. Had the New York Knicks slap a three-game skid uh, with a 120-109 victory in San Antonio. And, of course, we're not going to talk about them because Brian doesn't want to talk about them. We talked about them at length the last few weeks, but the Lakers did, in fact, beat the Boston Celtics, who had nobody else besides Jason Tatum doing a damn thing on the offensive end. It was 117-102. LeBron James... 30 points, four rebounds, and five assists in that ballgame. So, Brian, what's going on? Did you really think that the Lakers are going to let Dennis Schroeder do anything in his return to L.A.? He was getting boos every time he touched the ball. It was really funny, actually. Like, why are you booing him? He turned down this huge contract that you'd be stuck with. It was like, yeah, this dude turned down $84 million. Oof. Like, you should be cheering him every step of the way. It's like another situation like we've seen in the past where Nerlens Noel had an offer on the table and did the bet on himself thing. And then we know that that spiraled out of control into a, a media war with, you know, agencies and whatnot. But yeah, that's a tough one, tough one to, to, to settle over there. But I, I really enjoy these three game slates and this is more of a general thing. Like, because if you have one game, for example, last night, seven thirty we had Mavs nets. The other one started at eight thirty, and then the other one started at 10. I can pay attention to all three of those Tuesday nights, these three game slates, four game slates. I feel so much more in tune with what's going on than when there's, for example, like tonight, a 10, 11 game slate where well, one, I'm covering a game in Cleveland. So that's probably the most difficult part to pay attention around the league in that respect. But even if I'm at home watching these, you can only pick two. And we've, we've talked about it in the past. There's no red zone for NBA kind of impossible unless there's like a channel that tracks the closest games and can give you peeks into them but it's it's really tough when there's that many games going on so I like when it's like that small of a size and also you know I played I played I played some some um some, some fun things on the side and, and won some cash uh on, on some <laughs> some bets so I was also happy about that but hey uh I, I just enjoy watching those smaller slates. It's not 10 or 11 games tonight, though. It's 13. Whew. It's a lot. There's 13. A lot of teams uh, play. A lot of teams y- play. Oh, well, all but four teams in the league are playing tonight. Wow. How fun. Yeah, it's it's just a really weird night. And that's These uh, mega slates seem to happen, you know, on Wednesday nights because of, you know, Tuesday night, that's the, that's the shorter night. And that's what we typically saw with, Thursdays, but with TNT, you know, moving their Thursday slate to Tuesdays, 
um, until, until the NFL season's season is over. Yep. Yeah, Smart. you know, I mean, this Smart. is the way it's going to be, you know. So it's um, it's a packed Wednesday nights. Yeah. You, can t- you, can t- you say that again. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing the Bulls at full strength tonight. Uh, we are recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Bulls, like a lot of other teams in the league right now, uh, dealing with COVID protocols. Um, Cavs took those lump early in the season with Kevin Love and Lowry Markkinen, uh missing uh, pretty much a week and a half, two weeks of action. Um, you're hoping that the you know the rest of the league uh, you know doesn't have to wait that long for these players to come back. But we see the the Denver Nuggets are getting hit. Uh, we just got word of John Morant, who's uh, fully vaxxed, got his booster, uh, still uh, has to be in, in health and safety protocols. Um, you just look around the league and it's starting to kind of compound a little bit. And you hope that nothing's you know happening from this. But we kind of did uh, see this coming because of you know the holidays that happened in late November. You had Thanksgiving, um, family members coming in. So um, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, I guess predictable that, that you know, we're having a, a wave hit the NBA right now. Hopefully it's just as, as minimal as possible. I didn't even mention the Hornets who are missing half of their team right now. And still winning um, games. Yeah. Still winning games uh, because Kelly Oubre jr. Is a, a fireball right now. And miles bridges is holding it down. Like, but yeah, hopefully, you know, that doesn't go, you know, any further than, than, than we've seen, but uh, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see you know other teams fall into these these health and safety protocols, right? And like you said, you know the Bulls are missing Demar Derozan and three other guys, so they're hit with it. And hopefully that's where it stays is just with those four, and um, everybody's going to be okay. And then you know the NBA came out with their uh, new rules when it comes to Canada, in that you have to be not only fully vaccinated, but you have to get your booster, or else uh, you're not going to be able to go up to Canada. Um, so that's going to be an interesting situation. I believe, what is the number? It's a little over 60% of NBA players have already been boosted. Yeah. That was, I think 60 was what was reported a few days ago. Yeah. So, and I'm sure that's probably ticking upwards, you know, as we speak, just depending on when guys have the availability to go do it, if it's their schedule, you know, and I'm sure a lot of guys, if they want to do it, they probably want to do it, uh, in a time period where, you know, they have the day off, you know, they're not playing that night or maybe for a couple nights just in case they have some mild reactions to it. So, um, you know, if, I, I think if you see that number in a week or two, it will probably be a lot higher. No question. That's not the only week, uh, news we got this week, though. Uh, it was a very, very busy Tuesday. So we've got some problems for two cities. Actually, it, it, I can't be that smooth. So we got problems in Portland and we got problems with the Pacers. I'm just trying to maintain the alliteration here. We're going to start with the Blazers over in Portland. As we know, Neil Olshay uh, got relieved of, of his duties. He's no longer with the, the team. But the problems still remain. Um, there were reports of the team kind of turning against Chauncey Phillips um, Damian Lillard wanting to play with Ben Simmons. I think Jalen Brown was another on there. Aaron Gordon, basically a defensive minded wing, which it, it's so funny what, when this stuff comes out because even uh, Dame on his own you know, Twitter came out and <laughs> said these guys just love drama too much and quote tweeting the, this picture of, <laughs> of the, the old presidential regime and saying it was Woj and, <laughs> and Neil Olshay conspiring on an article. And I don't want to get too far into that, but it it's just a, a big mess right now. And it's not just, you know, Damian Lillard, poor CJ McCollum. Uh, you know, he's now dealing with uh, a lung issue, a collapsed lung. He's out for a while. Um, he just had a, a, a an article with Jason Quick talking about how he's kind of pressing right now. And uh, his mind's not really on basketball because he has a child on the way, his first kid. Um, and this is all among the trade rumors with CJ because of the stuff that is connected to Damian Lillard. There's just all sorts of stuff going on with these Blazers right now. And it, it, it's not, it's not a healthy environment at the moment. You're hoping that it picks up because they are only three games under 500, but it just seems like the, the world is crashing down out there right now. And in addition to all this too, Damian Lillard is, aiming uh, reportedly to be the highest paid player in, in the NBA when he is in his mid thirties. So this also you have to take into effect when you're searching 
for your next general manager or team president, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. And we had wondered going into the season what was going to happen with the Blazers, considering all the offseason chatter, people wondering, like, what was going to go on with Damian? And is he going to ask, you know, out? And then he said, I'm, I'm here to stay. But he let it be known to the organization that we need to do better when it comes to this roster. And they really didn't make any changes in the offseason. And we've seen a play out now here in the season where they have not done that well. They're obviously not close to being contender. And then now you've got this, you know, horrible injury to, uh, you know, CJ and um, some other guys are banged up as well. And, and on top of that, Lillard is banged up because he's dealing with an abdominal injury that he has had to deal with going back to the summer in uh, team USA. And now, you know, he's in the middle of missing a, what a, a 10 day stretch and who knows how much longer that's going to last. And, I would assume that this probably has played a big part into why he has had the struggles that he's had so far this season. So there's a lot going on in Portland and they have some big decisions to make, including are they going to, you know, make changes uh, and can they do it right now um, when they don't even have a permanent GM and they only have an interim GM in the position. And just going back to that article that I told you about with, with Woj, um, there were rumors, I guess, of the the Blazers wanting to bring in someone like a Ben Simmons. Um, there was a report that uh, the deal featuring McCollum and three first round picks and and swaps it was just a ton, a ton of draft capital um, involved for Simmons, and um, those things got turned down. You know, like that right there. And the reason the CJ, I think, is is pretty much you know kind of in a down mood right now too is because Olshay was his biggest believer he's the one that drove through a snowstorm to go see him at lehigh in college um and i got that from jason quick's article with the athletic again great great pieces coming out this week just kind of giving you both sides of the stories and um seeing each perspective but (laughs) one one common thread one common denominator is that they're is definitely some sort of dissension. Um, and that sucks for the players because the players, you know, they're trying to give it their all. Uh, these young guys uh, trying to stay on the floor. I love that, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is getting a little bit of a career renaissance. He's played pretty solid for them. Um, you know, I, I want to see Anthony Simons healthy because I think he can be really good. Nasir Little, obviously, you know, have a relationship with him after doing an article uh, earlier this season. I, I like, you know, the young guys that they have there. Um, but this core uh, is definitely in question at the moment. So we'll see where they go. But let's go to the Eastern Conference. The other P, the Pacers, report comes out yesterday about Indiana considering a long-term shift. And that is not limited to moving their arguably their three best players, which is obviously... Two-time All-Star Domas Sabonis, Miles Turner, and even Karis LeVert is in that. And uh, Evan Sidery for BasketballNews.com did a great breakdown of five potential destinations for Mr. LeVert. But those three right there, I don't know if they move all three, but it's almost like a guarantee that they move one of them, no? I would think that they've got to move one of the bigs, and then they could move LeVert as well. So they can move two of them, but I, I don't think they'd move both Sabonis and Turner. Okay. Who do you think is more likely to be moved? I think Sabonis is the guy that's more likely to be moved. And, and the reason being was well, a couple things. Now, overall, I think he's the more talented player, but the guy that the team has made the biggest investment in, quite honestly, is Rick Carlisle. And Miles Turner fits in Carlisle's scheme a lot better. And I think they could get more for Sabonis on the open market as well. Um, he's got a very uh, attractive contract. He makes about $20 million a year. He's still got two more years left after this year. So I, I think they could get a lot for him. And um, there's going to be teams, you know, you know, hitting the phones like crazy if, you know, he's available. Um, with Turner, I, I think there definitely is value there as well. And there's a lot, but it, I mean, we were talking about two different types of players as well. And, uh, 
I just think that that Turner is the guy that Carlisle would probably like to keep. And so I would not be surprised if Sabonis is on the move and, you know, and Levert, I mean, if, if they're really going to do, you know, uh, whether you want to call it a rebuild or they're blowing it up or what, what exactly they're doing, I would think that they would definitely, you know, take an offer for, for Levert. There's going to be some value there. You know, TJ Warren, I think there could be some teams that would be very interested in him as well when he's in the final year of his contract at around $12.5 million. But, you know, TJ has already said he wants to stay. Now, I think it then comes down to management and saying, hey, do we see a long-term future for, for TJ here? Because if not, I think he is going to be moved. Um, the one guy that cannot be moved is, is Brogdon, only because they gave him the extension you know, in the offseason. So they can't even move him until the summer. Because otherwise, I'd be like, that's a guy that probably um, a lot of teams would be calling for. But to me, I think Sabonis would be the guy I look at as the big name getting moved. Um, but I think Levert and TJ Warren could very easily get moved as well. I, I definitely agree that Sabonis is going to feel the most on the open market. I'm looking at Karis Levert, and I'm looking at this little odd season that he's had so far, kind of not being able to find his range um, the way he has in the past. I mean, he's never been like an all elite, you know, type of three point shooter, but he's been a knockdown guy, but he's not a 26% three baller. That's not what he is. He's somewhere usually around 33, 34%, you know, at minimum. He's still able to get to his spots. He's really solid at the pull up game. I think that he can definitely help a team. He's kind of in, in this, this awkward position right now, isn't he? You know, like with, the, the bigs and the, the, the touches that Sabonis demands. Um, Duarte has obviously come in and been really, really aggressive. It, would you agree with me there as far as him being able to, to help another team uh, as a scorer, as a secondary playmaker? Uh, because we've seen it in the past in Brooklyn. We have, you know, it's, I think the question is just fit. He hasn't fit in Indiana. And see, I don't know if this is a deterioration of the player or it's just the system not working for him. So that that's what I would want to look at. But I think there's a lot of places that say, hey, we, we can make Karras fit here. We've seen the playmaking ability. We've seen what he could do offensively. So, yeah, we do want him. So it's just trying to, you know, figure out where that fit is and what they can get for him. And, and he's someone that puts it on the floor, able to get to the rack in that game against Miami. He had 11 free throws and scored 27 points. I mean, this, you know, you obviously know what, what happened last year with the, the scare, the, the cancer scare. And he's obviously not been able to stay healthy um, in the past for, for long periods of time. But when he has, he's been able to produce. So I think that's also why. And plus, uh, his expiring contract almost here. Um, so he's making 17.5 this year um, and 18.79 next year. So almost an expiring contract, excuse me, um, is a reason for a team to trade for him as well. I think, uh, you know, having them under control and the, the ability to see whether he fits into what you're going for or not. And, you know, that's why, you know, these teams that are in the thick of it right now, I think, would have a lot more aggressiveness in trying to go after him. Someone like, um, you know, a, a Cleveland or an Atlanta. You know, these teams that are bunched up. A Boston. You know, like, these teams are all bunched up. If you look at these standings, there are, we talked about it before, there are 13 teams with at least 10 wins. Um, and the 7th spot to the 12th spot are all, like, decided by less than one and a half, two games. So these teams are still in it. Whoever needs uh, a, you know, slashing defensive, uh, you know, wing type is going to look at Karis LeVert. And I think that the, the value for Karis, I think that Indiana is not going to get as much as it might've uh, before this season, but still can field a, a solid return. I think one of the interesting things too, when you look at these Pacer players that are supposedly available now in the market, nobody makes a ton of money from a standpoint like Sabonis makes just shy of 20 million. Turner's 18, Levert's 17 and a half, you know, Warren is 12 and a half. So you've got guys that are on very manageable contracts as well. So 
I think that's going to help dictate, you know, some of the pieces that you get, you know, in return for those guys too. So it's not like, Oh, I've got somebody that's making 30, 35 million that I've got to get up to. But the other thing is too, that if you do need to go that high, you can, because, you know, TJ Warren, you know, like I said, he's about, you know, 12 and a half million dollars, but he's in the final year of his deal. Um, Jeremy Lamb, he's got 10 and a half on his contract, but he's in the final year of his deal. So if you need to add somebody in a you know possible trade, you can do that without the team taking on that player, you know, a long-term commitment. It's somebody that's going to be off your books, you know, very quickly come this off season, unless you want to extend them. So there's a lot of different things that I think the Pacers can do. And I think the question here is, especially when we talk about Sabonis as well, like, Say say Sabonis is the guy they want to move, even if it's Turner. But I would say Sabonis because you could you could probably get more. What are the Pacers looking to get right now? Because are they looking to get somebody that is more of an impact player now? Are they looking for a good young player, or are they okay with getting uh, a deal that centers more around somebody with potential talent? and a lot of uh, draft capital um, while trying to, you know, clear the decks when it comes to their salaries as well. So that way they're going to be players and free agency and whatnot. So I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what direction they go in because I mean, the trade deadline's coming up, you know, in early February. So we've got some time here. We've got about, you know, two months before then, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of offers between now and then. And there's, there's a lot of teams that would sit there and say, Hey, you know, if you're going to make some bonus available, you know, we've got a good deal and he's a great fit on our team. Same with Turner, but, but especially with suppose, I mean, Turner, I mean, Turner's a perfect fit for the Hornets. I already, I already had, we've had that in mind, I think for the last two years. Well, I think that Turner is a perfect, if they wanted to do it, I think Turner is a perfect fit for the Warriors. See, I think Sabonis is a perfect fit for the Warriors. I think he is too. I think both of them would fit very, very well, very well with the Warriors. I, yeah, but I mean, can you imagine Sabonis with his his passing ability in that system, dude? Him and Draymond would literally be the point guards of that of that team, and they crazy. just have Curry running around and Wiggins slashing, and you know, like. But but here's the thing: Is Indiana would they be interested in James Wiseman, another player to make the salary work? and picks from the Warriors. Would they be that interested in Wiseman to be able to want to do that deal? It's a bit of a gamble, but I think so because he's, you know, so raw, so young. Right. Because when you're talking about those Warriors picks, you know, they're not going to be high. Now, I mean, how many picks are we talking about? We're talking about two or three, but even regardless, if you're talking about multiple picks in the next, you know, four or five years, I mean, we're talking about the bulk of the Warriors window here. So no matter what, you're talking about low 20s picks. So maybe that has to play into some of this. Do they want, you know, a pick that they think is going to be falling the lottery sometime within the next couple of years, you know, and wherever they make a trade? You know, that that's something they have to be looking at as well. So that that's what I'm looking at is, okay, what, what direction are the Pacers going to go when it comes to what are they looking for? When it comes to these pieces, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. I mean, I, if I'm the Celtics right now, I'm, I'm calling Indiana left and right going it's a bonus, baby. It's a bonus. Come on. It's a bonus. I mean, they'll have, they'll have their offers, but I mean, it's a tough, yeah. I, I think it's a, a tough sell if they don't get the offer that they, they want. Cause I think that they want, they want the draft capital, but they also want the talent. I don't think they want to go into full-scale rebuild. You just mentioned that they have Malcolm Brogdon for the long haul. I don't think Malcolm Brogdon is going to want to sit around for a rebuild. I think that they're going to try and do this on-the-fly thing. That's what I think they're going to try to do because they know they have talent, but they're just going to want to get more you know, bang for their buck, but guys that can contribute now. I, I think so, at least. How many teams have we seen? Hey, we want to do this on the fly where we make moves, but we're it's not a it's not a total blow it up. Like we're we're kind of building on the fly here. That is extremely tricky. Yeah. It's and, and it's risky too. Tricky. It's risky too. I mean it is. It is because it can if you do that, you could be caught in mediocrity for a long time. You know, so 
there are some people that say, hey, that's a smart thing to do to keep your fan base engaged and give everybody hope and hopefully it works out. There's other that say, no, you got to go with a, you know, a full, you know, blow it up scenario, but maybe that could be tougher for, you know, a situation like Indiana, because we've seen in other markets that are that size or even smaller, and it can be very tough, you know, to recover from if it, if you don't hit on, you know, your picks and it's not like Indiana has always been a big player in free agency. So you have to take that, you know, in, into the factors here. So not ideal, but I think what they're thinking though is, all right, we're six games under 500. We just, we just won a game. We can still salvage this. If we can get some value here, we're still right in the thick of it, no matter, you know, how ugly it looks. You never know how the season can go. We have a win now. But coach. if that's going to be the case, if that's the case, though, you don't want to even wait to the trade deadline to make your move. Correct. Yeah. You want to do it now, like you, like be, by early January, like we, we have to do you this. You got to move fast. Maybe, you got to move fast. Maybe even here, maybe before the end of the year, you got to sit there and say, all right, who's got the attractive offer? We're, we're going to do it if we want to salvage this season. No, for sure. For sure. And I think, you know, guys like, you know, I don't want to get too depth into that depth with it, but I mean, guys like O'Shea Brissett, Brissett, Brissett showed some, some, you know, punch last year. Uh, you still don't have TJ Warren as a part of the the team yet. So I don't think that they should panic, but, you know, things are obviously going south. You know what the thing is, too? One of the potential um, trade partners that they could have had, and a lot of teams could have had, too, I think that would have made sense would have been Portland. But now with the CJ injury, and who knows when he's going to come back from a collapsed lung. Right, and that, that doesn't, sounds that doesn't kind of help scary. the trade value there either. Like that. No, I mean, it, it doesn't help Portland's situation because I don't know what they're going to do. And, you know, they talked about, you know, moving on from CJ, or at least that's been discussed, as you mentioned, you know, when it came to a possible trade package for Ben Simmons or somebody else that's quote unquote defensive minded. So that, you know, hurts Portland. I mean, because otherwise you would sit there and say, well, Portland would definitely want to be players for Sabonis you know, or, or, or Sabonis, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, either of them possibly, you know, fit there. Yeah. So, I mean, that almost kind of, it almost takes Portland off the board unless there's a team that's going to be like, well, we like CJ, but we know we're not going to have him, you know, for a while. And I don't know if that means he's going to be out for a month, two months, the rest of the season. I don't know. An actual piece of good news for the Blazers, by the way, that just came out as we're recording. Uh, Damian Lillard uh, got a quarter zone shot, according to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. And uh, he'll be reevaluated on a Friday and could ret- return to action as soon as Sunday. So that's a good part of them. I, and I think that uh, their new management is having a press conference uh, tomorrow, unrelated to that news, but uh, on uh, Thursday, their first press conference, the, uh, the interim general manager. So if you're playing... Uh- matchmaker here and the Pacers are willing to move on from Sabonis. Where would you like to see him end up? The Pacers, um, where they, where they're sending Sabonis. Uh, yeah. Well, I think they would be smart not to trade him in conference. I think that would be the first thing. (laughs) Okay. So sorry, Nick, sorry, Raptors, sorry, Celtics. Yes. Uh, Damn, I, I honestly, I would love to see him. There's a lot of good spaces for him because he is. Isn't he a Spurs guy? Yeah. Oh, he's 100% a Spurs guy. Uh, I mean, the Warriors are already rich, so you see the rich get richer. I mean, I'm staring down. I, you might call me stupid, but I'm staring down Dallas. <laughs> I'm staring down Dallas. But just like Dallas, I don't know if they have the the capital. Right. Though. It would be it would be KP obviously in there. Um, well, th- that's legitimately what I'm thinking because KP's playing well, so like the value is up there already. Um, you don't know if it's going to work long term with KP there. Just just spitting, you, just spitting a little bit. Yeah. I know that there's a team that's 
on full rebuild right now, and they would really amp it up a little bit here? Would OKC in their war chest of picks? <laughs> Him going back to where it started. Yeah, be interested in Sabonis. Oh, man. Oh, see, now I would with, hate uh, that Shea. for Domas. I would hate that for Domas. But, I mean, you put those two guys together, I mean, you're, you know, you're one off season away from possibly really doing something there. I don't know. Yeah. Would would you be interested in a deal that sent Sabonis to the Pelicans? Maybe a Brandon Ingram was involved in that? Sure. Sure. Because I need I need to get Brandon Ingram out of there right now. He's he's in a world of hurt. <laughs> and I would think Sabonis could play alongside Zion whenever he comes back. Yeah. No, they that's I'd definitely like to a, think that. a decent combo. Even though even though I think Turner would be a better fit because I'd like a defensive anchor. But wherever whoever whatever team can use a big like Sabonis at the elbows and dribble handoff situations. He's not going to be someone that goes out and hits the three constantly. He's going to be somebody that's using his footwork in the post and making plays out of the post. That's what Sabonis does. Um, and, and he hits, you know, those elbow shots, you know, from 15 feet and baseline shots on 15 feet, face up jumpers, whatnot. That's the strength of him. And obviously getting those offensive rebounds, but I could see him with the Clippers, but I don't think they have the capital for it either. It's tough. I know that Nikias Duncan's going to do some stuff for us, though, and, and show us the way for Sabonis. But I wanted to take a quick break, tell you about our friends over at PrizePicks. PrizePicks.com. All users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on PrizePicks.com will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to $100. So, didn't do well last week. So we're going to try something a little different this week. I'm going to pick my own. Brian's going to pick my own. Er, no, I'm going to pick my own. I'm, I'm going to pick. Brian's going to pick yeah. his own. <laughs> I can't do it because I'm in Ohio. But luckily, he's in Carolina. He can put these in for me. So I'm just going to tell him right off the bat where I like my plays. My first one that Let's I'm do staring it. down that's juicy. Juicy. Very, very small number. And I just saw Dallas get carved up a little bit by uh, Nick Claxton and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge in the mid-range. I know that this particular center is not a mid-range assassin, assassin, but I do see that he has 11 and 17 in his last two games. The Grizzlies still not having John Morant is absolutely in effect on this. I'm going to go with Steven Adams over seven and a half points against Dallas. That's the first one. All right. So let me, uh, let me find, there he is. Let me find Steve. Okay. Secondly, and this one might be a little crazy, but it's right around his average because the Bulls are playing the very, very big Cleveland Cavaliers on the road. I'm seeing Nikola Vucevic. His over-under number is 10 and a half rebounds. Going to go ahead and take the, under on that one with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley keeping him off the glass as much as possible. And then I'm seeing some very, very tiny numbers uh, in assists here. And assists bit me uh, in the past before. But I am going to uh, go ahead and roll with this because I think these these small numbers are definitely um, enticing as far as you know, what to pick. So I'm looking at this one here right around his average, but also in control of this offense at the moment is Alec Burks, who is currently the starting point guard of your New York Knicks. He had five assists last night in the win against the Spurs. He's listed down here at two and a half. I'm going to go ahead and take an over on Alec Burks on those assist numbers. So to sum it up, I like Steven Adams over seven and a half points. I like the uh, Bulls, Nikola Vucevic under 10 and a half rebounds and Alec Burks, the Knicks point guard to have over two and a half assists. That is my play this week. No four legs. We're just going to do three and we're going to hope for the best. Now, here's the big question then. Because uh, remember that prize picks allows you to do this. Would you like to flex play this or do you want a power play Flex play, you must hit two of the three to win. Power play, you must hit all. Three. I'm still power playing on that. I got some small numbers. I'm I'm feeling real good. 
Feeling real good, Bri. I, I think All that right. Steven Adams is going to have like six in the first quarter. And then he's going to nope. get to the line or something. And then okay. Alec Burks, he'll, he'll beat that total by the third quarter. All right. So now I got to come up with my picks here. Um, I will give you, and I'll, I'll uh, spread them around a little bit here too. Um, I have an affinity for the Wizards and how they're playing this year. And I'm looking at Spencer Dinwiddie, four and a half assists. I like the over on that as they play Detroit. I think you'll be able to uh, carve them up a little bit. Let's go over to rebounds. And there's a big number, but it's a star player. And uh, I can't help myself when it comes to the Joker. Cole Jokic, 11 rebounds. They're playing the Pelicans. I don't care. I'm going over. I'm going to take the over on that. And then I'll go over to scoring. And let's see what looks attractive here. I'm trying to stay away from Kyle Kuzma. He's been my kryptonite. <laughs> um, I, I've ridden Kuz for a while, but um, he's kind of up and down a little bit. I'll tell you the guy that, well, Maybe I should steer clear of him as well. The other guy I've liked lately is Maxi. I like Maxi a lot because of like the the burden that the Sixers have put on him when it comes to the scoring. The second up. guesser but, doesn't work. You gotta be gotta be confident. But in these he's picks. playing the Hornets at fifteen and a half. I'm not sure about that matchup, um, but the matchup I do like. You know what? I like your guy Evan Mobley. 14 and a half points okay. against the Bulls. I think he's due. I'm going to go over. So I got three overs. And right. uh, which I try to do some unders as well. But I think we're all just kind of. I haven't done an under yet. So I, so I'm, I'm feeling good about I try this to mix one. it up a little bit more. I think we, we all naturally do over a little bit more. But I'll power play that as well. Um, and when you power play, uh, it's five times your entry amount. Just so you know, for anybody that's out there, if you do a flex play, um, if you get two of your three, you get one and a quarter times. If you get all three in the flex play, it's two and a quarter times your entry. But if you go power play and you hit all of them on three, you get five times. And that's what I'm going to do. So I've placed my entry there. The best lottery ticket around, folks. And we'll see uh, which one of us um, does better. And remember, guys, that's prizepicks.com. Prize picks. All users that deposit and use the promo code news on prize picks will receive 100% instant deposit matched up to $100. That is if you're a new user. You can't use it more than once. You can't, you can't, can't do that. But if you're a new user, remember promo code news on prize picks. And you mentioned while you're making your prize picks there, Brian, that. Nicole Jokic is going against the Pelicans, which kind of segues into the next conversation I wanted to have. Is that two superstars have had issues with their conditioning, one of which has been Zion Williamson, who apparently is, at least according to um, a podcast by ESPN, uh, reportedly around 330 pounds uh, as he's been sidelined from this foot surgery. And uh, has not been able to, he, he experienced a setback in the five on fives, I believe it said. Um, and, and so I still don't know when Zion's coming back. I think we had this conversation a few weeks ago who would, who'd come back first, Clay Thompson or Zion. And I said unequivocally Clay Thompson. And, you know, I feel pretty good about that prediction here still. But, uh, you know, Zion's not the only one too. Uh, Luka Doncic came into camp over 260 pounds. Uh, and they've been asking him about his conditioning. He talked about taking time off after the Olympics, uh, gained somewhere around 30 pounds. Uh, his wind is still not with him yet, uh, and he's taken full responsibility for that. So Zion and Luca, these two uh, are really you know, having a tough time maintaining their body. The body is a temple, especially when you play professional sports. This is how LeBron James has ma maintained his longevity. And yes, it's going a little away, the last couple of years, but that's also because of age. But you don't last long in the NBA if you can't take care of your body. And I think that Zion and Luca, right now, this is the time where you learn that you have to pay attention to your nutrition. You have to have a workout regimen. You have to 
make sure that it's consistent uh, in order to play this game for a long time and have a, a lengthy career. I know I'm not a professional athlete. And I know that I could be in better shape. I'm not in horrible shape. I could be in better shape. How are you gaining 30 pounds in like a two-month period, if even that? I don't know. That, that's that, tough. That's tough. I mean, you're a professional athlete. You're doing that. Like, I lived with my grandma for a year, and I, I gained like 15. But that's a year. Okay. Th- th- I mean, how much, what are you eating and what are you not doing exercise wise? I mean, I, I know that you're going to ramp it up as the season goes, but wow, that's a lot. And we've talked about Zion, you know, being out of shape and it's tough because, and, and, you know, we knew that he was overweight, but a lot of that has just been because he's been recovering from, you know, this foot surgery he had in the off season. And it's already scary enough when it comes to, you know, all the lower body injuries that he's had, you know, going back to his college days. And then the weight thing has been a problem for him for a while. And then he's limited, I'm sure, in what he can do, which tells me that um, even though it could be tough to train when you're recovering from an injury, there's got to be some dietary changes he needs to make as well. and we'll see when he comes back. But I mean, that's, that's a scary thing, you know, to, even if he's not at that weight, it's not even, it's not even a pick on the guy. It, it's literally to make sure that he's in a good spot. Like there's too many people that misconstrue this as, as you know, in, in a negative light. We're like, we're, we're just literally talking about this because we we're concerned. We want to see him thrive the way that we know he can thrive that we've seen in the past at Duke and his last season, last two seasons with the Pelicans when he's been on the floor. We want, we want him to be that. We want him to thrive. Same with Luca. We want him to thrive the way that we know he can thrive. Absolutely. But you have to have the right conditioning and the right body to do that. It's, it is scary to sit there and see like, oh my God, he's that, he, you know, is that out of shape or whatever? And, uh, and that's some of the Pelicans and, and he's going to have to deal with here. And that's why I've said, and I think, you know, there's plenty of other people that have said this too. Like, that's great. If, you know, his foot's feeling better. And if you can get around on that, but it's going to be a while before we see him because it's not just about the foot. It's about the conditioning. It's about making sure that he has a weight on him that it's not going to, you know, possibly lead to another injury. Especially the way he plays too, because he's always jumping. He's landing, he's landing. He's one of the most athletic people I think I've ever seen play this game of basketball. Especially, especially for the type of, of, you know, burly body that he has. But that's a lot of weight coming down on one body part if you don't land the right way. Right. I mean, he's going to be taking a lot of punishment. You know, he's a guy that's going to be pulling down in the paint. He's taking a lot of hits. So there's a lot that's going on. And, you know, there is no reason for them to hurry him back. I mean, I... I know you want to get him back out there. You want to see his game progress. You want to sell tickets, all those different things. But you have to take it slowly with him, especially with the season that they're having. There is no reason to rush him back. And that's why I I do wonder if we're even going to see him until maybe even February. I mean, I, I really wonder, will we see him before the All-Star break? Yeah. How do you feel about the Luca stuff? Because th- this is a conversation for two straight years now. And uh, he's actually acknowledging it. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he's finally acknowledging it, but I mean, he's got to know better. I mean, come on, man. You're a star player. I mean, you're a professional athlete. Number one, you know, part of your, your job is to stay in shape, but then to be the star player of a team and not be in peak shape. And it's not because of an injury. It's because, you played basketball in the off season, at least when it comes to this season, you played, you know, in the Olympics and then you decided to take time off and you didn't keep yourself in condition. That's the one thing you need to do. This team is riding on you and how well you do. I mean, how many other teams can you say that when it comes to like one guy in particular, the Dallas Mavericks will only go as far as Luka Doncic can take them. And he's out of shape and we've seen it all season. 
I mean, it's bad enough he did it last year, but that was almost like one of those things like, ah, you know, he's still young, he's still wearing, chalk it up, you know, he got to a slow start by the end of the season, he's playing really well. Then he should have known better. Say, I've got to be in shape because when I'm in shape, then we play really well. I can do more things for this team. And he didn't do that. He came in the season being very lazy, and that's why they're off to another sluggish start. You know, when a lot of people are saying, oh, man, look out for the Mavericks. They're my dark horse in the Western Conference because Luka's going to be taking another step forward, you know, and being a better player. He has not done that. He's gone backwards because he's not in shape. And that's all you want to expect out of a guy is like you go up and down with your shooting and your playmaking, all those different things. You want to see them progress. You want to see them play, you know, at the highest level possible. But the one thing that you absolutely should demand out of a professional athlete is to be in shape when you're not dealing with a major injury. And he can't even do that. It's more disappointing in Luca's situation because Zion Zion was at least, he was sidelined with an injury. You know, it's easy to fall off the wagon. Yeah, he's still way. recovering from yeah. an injury. Yeah. Luca, on the other hand, just took some time off and, you know, maybe, you know, ate a, you know, you know changed his diet or like, um, you know, wasn't, you know, working out as much as he should have or something like that. When And when you are the franchise player, like you're saying, you have to pay, pay attention to those things. You have to. How much ice cream did he eat? <laughs> I mean, come on. I like ice cream a lot too, but dude, I mean, I mean, he's just pounding Chinese food, ice cream, and freaking, I don't know what other sugary snacks. Is he drinking like a Mountain he's Dew a, every a, hour? He, like, what's going I on I was going to say, I mean, if you look at any other, you know, 21, 22-year-old in the world, you know, like it, it is what they do. I wish I could remember the player, but there was somebody from the Wizards years ago. Oh, you know what? I do know who it is. It was Karan Butler. Where I think it was Karan Butler, where he said that one offseason, he committed to getting off a of Mountain Dew. I think it was Karan. Where he was like, I'm not going to, I drink too much Mountain Dew. I, I got to quit this. And it said, he said it took him over two weeks because he dealt with like horrible headaches and withdrawal from it. And that's what sodas and sugary things can do, man. They can it be is. tough. But that's why I drink that's why I drink <laughs> I mean, seltzers now. I drink those ahas. I drink those bubblies. I mean, and I'm not a professional athlete, but I just feel better without drinking yeah. pop. Like same with me, man. I mean, I I've like every blue moon I have one, but now I've like I've tried to train myself. No, I have like, a lot of blue moons. You don't I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. So it's, it's just just like you don't need this. You don't need this. Don't go every once in a while, like I have a little a little craving for it. And it's just like just ride it out and don't do it, man. Because next thing you know, if you have one, it's gonna lead to another and then to That's another. How it goes. You know? And I mean, and it's not just, you know, for, I'm just a regular guy. I mean, like for a professional athlete as well. I mean, it's, it's the same for a lot of different people, whether it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or not. hundred percent. hundred percent. I wanted to talk to, like I said, in the uh, introduction about the jazz, cause I just saw him in Cleveland uh, last Sunday. Uh, I feel like they're just kind of, we're just kind of glancing over him again. I know that they're not at the top of the top where the Suns and the Warriors are right now, but they're playing a really solid brand of basketball. And Donovan Mitchell was just named the Western Conference Player of the Week. So we got to give big ups to Spida because he's been playing excellent. I loved what I saw from him in Cleveland. He scored 15 off the rip in the first quarter. Um, and then once they started paying attention to him, he started making these excellent, excellent passes, just slinging it around the court. Um, I, I really, really like Spida's game right now. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert is probably playing at the highest level that he's played um, since he signed that contract. I know that we've, you know, had playoffs and stuff like that, but uh, he's just really moving around the floor well. He did an excellent job against Jared Allen. The, the box score, you wouldn't think. I mean, the box score, you saw it. You're like, oh, you know, Jared Allen held him to this or whatever like that. But he was in there boxing out, really fighting for rebounds, altering shots, blocking shots, just what Rudy Gobert does. And then you have your complimentary pieces like Bojan Bogdanovich knocking down three after three. I love what Rudy Gay's brought off the bench ever since he's gotten healthy. I think he's been, you know, a tremendous part of that team. Uh, you know, Quinn Steiner said that he's still getting this, you know, conditioning back a little bit, um, which is understandable for somebody that's his age. Remember, he's 35 years old. But he's been an uh, integral piece to that bench. And uh, since he's come back, has, has really done a solid job uh, of kind of, uh, you know, being that calming presence. And when they need it, just being that extra juice. So, 
I just wanted to shout out the Jazz because, you know, I saw them in person and, uh, you know, I haven't really paid attention to them too much this season, but they look like a really well-oiled machine at the moment. And uh, I think they they definitely deserve their respect. Mike Conley uh, as well, shooting a, a career best right now, 47.5% beyond the arc. No one's really talking about that. I think that's actually a league high, uh, if not uh, Jonas Valanciunas is 51%. But uh, he's really locked in from deep, and he's taking it inside, using his right hand as he usually does. Uh, just, a, again, really solid basketball team that spreads the wealth and and has a star in Donovan Mitchell to guide him. And he's been on fire. Like you said, he was named player of the week. He, he's averaged 33 points in his last three games. You know, it, we talk about the Jazz, and, and it's easy to dismiss them. It's easy to overlook them because it's like they're just steady presence around the NBA. And if you want to talk about the one team in particular, um, well, there's probably – two that stand out, but they're one of the two, the other being golden state of just kind of like, this is our system. We're buying in chemistry means something. And that's something we've seen from the warriors. It's just, they've been hit by some injuries. And obviously when you lose Kevin Durant, the free agency, that can affect your team a little bit too. But when it comes to the Utah jazz, um, they're the team that you don't see a lot of changes. It's more kind of around the edges because we have our system. We like our coach. We've got Donovan Mitchell. We've got Rudy Gobert. We've got our pieces, and we keep seeing them basically keep that roster together year after year. Now, that hasn't translated into a long playoff run yet um, or a championship, obviously, but it at least puts them in the picture, I think. And that's something that those fans and that, uh, that organization expects now from a standpoint of we should be a top-four team in the West. We're giving ourselves a chance. It's just are we doing it with the right players? and. You know, Mitchell's still young. He's still growing. We still, you know, can he be healthy when the playoffs come? Uh, you know, is there another piece that they can add that will help their chances? So, you know, I like the approach that they take because, you know, obviously there's other teams that are going to do these big swings and misses or um, sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. But with the, Do you want them to go after Sabonis? <laughs> but, you know, I think with Sabonis or some of these guys, I mean, that's a big addition, but you can see why it's a calculated risk. And it also depends on who you have to give up. But if it's just like draft capital and some other things, I think it's it's a worthwhile risk because he doesn't make a, a ton of money, you know, as well. I think that's that's why there's going to be so many different attractive packages, I think, for these Pacers players because Sabonis and Turner and Levert, no, make a ton of money. I mean... Sabonis is 20 million. He's the highest of the three. So there's going to be a lot of things that are out there. But when it comes to like the jazz, I mean, yeah, you could criticize them if you want saying, ah, they haven't won anything yet. They're doing something right, man, because they're a damn good team year in and year out. And they're giving themselves a chance. A couple of win streaks too, in the NBA that we have to talk about. Memphis is on a five gamer. Houston's on a six gainer. Your Rockets. The Rockets are the hottest team in the NBA. How about it? But uh, Grizzlies, starting with them, I mean, Desmond Bain just looks phenomenal right now. Um, Dylan Brooks carrying the water. You know, I I just mentioned Steven Adams, who's part of my prize picks play. He's been stepping it up. Uh, You really like to see this out of the Grizzlies, especially as soon as they lose John Morant. You think that they're going to fall back. Uh, And they've done the opposite. They've responded and are 14 and 10 now. Uh, and and playing defense and I mean I mean really playing defense I mean they've given up th- this is their last uh, during this winning streak Brian this is what they've given up so they won one twenty eight one hundred one over the Kings they won ninety eight ninety one at Toronto they obviously had the seventy three point win over the Thunder at home one fifty two seventy nine which is ridiculous uh, they went into Dallas and won ninety seven to ninety and then they went into Miami and won one hundred five to ninety. Those are, I mean, that's a stout defense since, since jaw went down. I don't know what, you know, what is, is the reasoning behind that, but it's clearly working. It's, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. And Steven Adams, it's, you know, the perimeter defenders out there and Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks doing their jobs. It's, it's a, it's a collective effort, but uh, it's really impressive. Honestly, it is because that's something we wondered about with the team and they were going to go as far as John Morant, but they've won without jaw, even when he was injured. And now he's entering, you know, the safety and protocol. So who knows how long he's going to be out for, but, um, you know, they're, 
you win with a defensive identity. And that that's one of the things I, I, you, you have to take those teams very seriously when it comes to the teams that focus a little bit more on defense. And they say, we'll figure out the offensive side, but let's focus on defense. Let's at least try to stop the other team. And that's something that Memphis has definitely keyed in on. And, you know, that's why they've had this winning streak. And we'll see if they can keep it going. For sure. And then you have the Rockets, of course, uh, who are, you know, thriving. And ironically, this is all happening with, you know, you have Jalen Green that's been on the sidelines. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. has been in and out of the lineup with, you know, these knickknack injuries. It, it's It's been really odd, but, you know, the, some of these these guys are really stepping up. You see Christian Wood going back to what Christian Wood always does, uh, you know, since he's he's come to the Rockets, which is just completely he produces, man. Like there's no other way to put it. He produces uh, KJ Martin. He's one of my favorite uh, on their team. And I mean, biased aside because he's, you know, uh, son of uh, Kenyon Martin, who is, is with us at basketballnews.com. But uh, KJ is really he just jumps out of the gym and is so athletic and is just fun to watch. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, somebody again who you thought you'd think would fall back in in line uh, with all of the young talent that they were bringing in, and he's just been a t- tremendous uh, for them. Garrison Matthews, somebody who I think was a, a two way player uh, recently, is really stepping up and hitting three balls like. This is a team that's playing with a ton of confidence right now. And, you know, they've been left for dead. And, you know, they still might not be as, you know, good as as you think that they can be or as bad as you can think that they'd be. But they're definitely buying in at the moment. And that to see a sign of life from this team, I think, uh, is a huge sense of relief for Steven Silas. Uh, but, you know, you got a little bit of health. You got a little bit of... Uh, you know, buy-in from some of these guys. Uh, you'll see, you know, how you treat it when Jalen Green comes back from the hamstring injury. But they're having fun right now. And uh, I've actually, you know, watched a couple of games. Uh, you know, somebody that I've uh, really liked, uh, even, you know, stemming from last season is Armani Brooks. Um, he can really light it up when given the opportunity. Uh, you know, comes off the bench and hits a bunch of threes and, uh, really hustles. I, I like his game a lot. Uh, and then the, the rest, there's a couple vets on there too. You know, Eric Gordon's trying to play uh, the best ball he can. You have Daniel Tice there. I don't know how long Tice is going to have there because they have a bunch of bigs. I want to see more of Valper and Shangun. Um, we'll see if Christian Wood is still there by the end of the year. Uh, but they're they're buying in right now, so that's good to see. Well, I feel better. Or I feel for Coach Silas there because that team. <laughs> Beginning of the year, man. I mean, it was it was rough, and he was getting beat up a little bit. And it's just like, man, this guy's finally getting an opportunity, and this is what's going on. So, I mean, we all knew that they were not buying for the playoffs this year, but at least they're starting to play better and buy into the system, like you said. I don't feel so bad for him now. And, um, you know, it looks like they're not going to be the worst team in the NBA this year. Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of teams that are on a rebuild, but uh, you can see them, you know, picking it up a little bit and playing better and making everybody feel a little bit better about the future there. And like you said, there's a lot of different moves that they can make before the trade deadline too. And we'll see what they do and how much they change their roster. Yeah. I don't, and I don't think that they're going to do anything drastic unless it's, you know, acquiring assets like the Cavs would do, but that's for um, next week because like you know that. what next Wednesday is that is December <laughs> 15th. And that's oh, when yeah. a lot of these players become available for trades. And I got a feeling we fun. might the fun. talk about that a little bit next week. Just a bit. Just you better bit. have your trade machine up. open. You better, I don't think you better have your trade machine open and you better come with some ideas, man. I, I don't think that they're going to get traded on the day. No, but we'll see. They're eligible we'll see. to be traded. They will be eligible to be traded. Yes. Does the, that mean Russell Westbrook is signed? Russell Westbrook is eligible to be traded. What players that were signed in free agency uh, this past offseason are eligible to be traded? That is the day, December fifteenth. Don't know the exact time. I don't think it's midnight, but yeah, we'll have some ideas for you. We'll have some ideas for you. I think that'll be a good time. But I think this is also a good time to wrap it up for us here at Keeping It Ninety Four. Of course, like I told you before, we are part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network we've got some great ones for you to listen to as well the dunker spot 
with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. Remember, he just had Thaddeus Young on exclusively. Make sure you go listen to that. The rematch with Aton Thomas. Again, he just had Markel Fultz on. And actually, his latest guest was Enos Cantor Freedom. Uh, if you want to listen to that, had a, a very in-depth conversation about uh, you know, all of the comments that that he's made since he's had he had his uh, citizenship granted. Uh, Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. And then, of course, our newest podcast on basketballnews.com. It's nothing but bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies, and he is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. I think we'll leave it right there. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, rate, review for all those podcasts and your boys there at Keeping It 94. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to them. Make sure you just do all that for us so you can keep this thing juicing for us and the rest of our podcast network. Uh, make sure to visit basketballnews.com for all of your latest news, articles, and features. We had a ton of good ones last week. As I mentioned, Markel Fultz one-on-one. We had Thaddeus Young one-on-one. We had Kristaps Porzingis one-on-one. I've got something special cooking for you right now on who I get next one-on-one. It's got to be a a banger. It's going to be a very good feature. I'm excited to put it together. Hopefully it's done by the time we record next week. But until then, we will leave you adieu. Beg you adieu, however you say it. And we'll talk to you next time. I know you're proficient in French. (laughs) 